Hi, this is Amber, and you're listening to Amber on Podcast. Hi, hi, hi. Hello, and welcome to episode number 153 of Amber on Podcasts. I'm your host, Amber Camille Ligon, and this podcast is all about doing more good for you and more good for more people. Thank you so much for joining me. This episode is near and dear to my heart, dear listeners, because back in 2017, I was at my rock bottom. I lost everything. My car was repossessed. I sold everything I had of any value, and I was depressed. I was suicidal, and I thought I was nothing but a failure, and I was embarrassed. I didn't want to reach out. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to ask for help. I was really struggling, and I was worried each month that I wasn't going to be able to pay my rent. This went on for probably five or six months where I was really scrambling, trying to figure out where this money was going to come from. And several of these times I thought I was going to be evicted because I couldn't pay. And I prepared myself for that outcome and what homelessness would look like for me. And I started to look around when I was outside and I started to imagine where I would go. I started to plan and brainstorm ways I could survive homelessness, where I would sleep, where I would get shelter, what I could do to keep myself safe if I became homeless. It was a dark and difficult time for me. And unfortunately, when you are in a depressed state, you can't see clearly. I could have asked for help, but I was stuck in a permanent state of fight or flight. And in my fight or flight mode, I couldn't be creative. I couldn't problem solve, so I couldn't figure out the path that I needed to go down to escape my situation for quite some time. I'm lucky that through podcasts and the vulnerability of strangers, I was able to hear stories from other people who'd gone through the same thing I was going through. And eventually, I was able to dig myself out of my rock bottom. But so many people are not so lucky. And when I got that close to homelessness, I started thinking about who is homeless? What kind of people live on the street and how did they get there? How did their lives change and what event led them to lose their home? I think a lot of people don't realize it. A lot of people like to ignore homelessness and act like it doesn't exist. You turn your head away when they walk by or ask for money. But something that is really important to know about homelessness, if you know nothing else at all, is that many homeless people are actually foster kids who aged out of the system, who never had a home to begin with because they lacked the proper love and attention for their whole life. And eventually, when they turn 18, they don't have anywhere to go because the system no longer supports them. In this episode, you will learn what it means to be limited by privilege, the history of Skid Row, and why we must embody gratitude through service. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe to the show. Every Thursday, I release a new episode, and I would love to have you join me. Now, let's get down to the good stuff, and let's start the show. One Crisis Away is the title of an NPR radio program that I used to listen to every Thursday morning back in 2016. I would get up and get ready for work, 
turn on the radio while I was doing my makeup and listen to stories of families and individuals who had their lives uprooted and changed by one crisis, one job loss, one injury, one illness. One thing had sent these families spiraling into a financial crisis. Many of the stories ended with the families being split up, husbands and wives living separately, siblings strewn across the country, or worse, they became homeless. Usually the result of a job loss or an illness, medical bills, these people lost everything in the blink of an eye, mostly because they weren't ready. They weren't prepared for what life dealt them. Now, it didn't take long for me to realize that I was setting myself up for the same outcome. I was living a posh life, for sure, parties and cocktail dresses every week, lots of status and ego-driven events and entertainment. I drove a brand new Mercedes and lived in a high-rise. From the outside, things seemed great, but that was of my own design because inside, things were a mess. Despite my six-figure income, I was living paycheck to paycheck and putting as many $100 dinners on my credit card as I could. And just like the people on the radio show, I too was one crisis away. Then my crisis hit. I lost my job and I lost everything. For months, I hustled and got creative to make ends meet. Then the day finally came when I couldn't. When I accepted that I would be evicted from my apartment and I would lose everything I had. I accepted that I had failed and that I had nowhere to go. I was too embarrassed to ask for help and too ashamed to admit to my situation. I knew I would be homeless. My crisis was here and I accepted it. I imagined what it would be like to live on the street, how sad and dangerous it would be, how dirty and scared I would be. Back then, I was so broken. I was depressed and hopeless, and homelessness seemed like only an inch away. It seemed close, really, really close. And at the time, I believed I deserved it. How could an educated, successful woman lose everything and end up on the street? I believed I had fallen so far that I had finally reached the bottom. I experienced firsthand the path towards homelessness, and it changed me in a way that I can never undo. Now, I see people on the street, and I wonder how they got there, what happened to them, who made them sad or who didn't love them right. 
Lucky for me, eventually, I came around and asked for help from friends and family. I got that help. It wasn't easy, but I got the help I needed and was able to keep my apartment. But that's not the case for so many people living on the street today. Later, when I was driving for Lyft and delivering groceries for Instacart, I would drive around the city and it was like I had a newfound sense for homelessness. All of a sudden, I became very aware of people living on the street. I noticed every tent and every pallet constructed in a doorway. I noticed every shopping cart jam-packed with belongings. I noticed every place that a homeless person could potentially sleep and began taking stock of options. It's as if all of a sudden my homeless radar was turned on and I began to take notice of the suffering that was taking place all around me. Sure, I had noticed it before, but it felt so distant from me then. Now it seemed like homelessness had touched me and I would never be the same. The same is true for our friend, Lorea Gaston. Once Lorea saw the homelessness on Skid Row, she was forever changed. Lorea grew up with her grandmother, who from a very early age always taught her to do her part. She instilled in Lorea the idea of loving kindness to always help those who are less fortunate and be accepting and open to others without judgment. Flash forward to Lorea as an adult, driving through Skid Row for the first time, she knew she had to do something. Skid Row is a special place. Skid Row is in Los Angeles, and it takes up about four and a half miles over a 50-block radius. This is a permanent and long-standing homeless tent city with a population in the thousands. The most recent estimate was 17,740 homeless people living in Tent City on Skid Row. And we know that number has gone up since then. Skid Row has been a homeless community since the 1920s. For 100 years, the city of Los Angeles has housed these homeless people on Skid Row. When Lorea went there, she was shocked. And she was reminded of what she was told as a small child to lead with love and to do her part. Lorea was shocked at what she saw, but she also knew she wanted to be of service. She wanted to help in some way. And she started by providing food and providing love, by seeing people and getting to know them as human beings. This has evolved over a number of years and grown into an organization founded by Lorea called Lunch on Me, where they feed 10,000 homeless people every month in Los Angeles. They also host monthly parties where it's not just about food. It's about acknowledging everyone's humanity and being of service in a number of different ways. Lorea says it's about bringing two different parts of the L.A. community together to awaken their hearts and foster learning. She says she didn't know anything about the nonprofit world, but she knew how to love. So that's what she did. According to Lorea, to live, you must give. 
She says you have to create spaces for people to feel safe on both ends. We can't assume how people got to where they are. It's about creating a space so people can be seen. And it's about being present with one another. It's about the gift of conversation and a good meal. Just getting down to the basics of life and human existence. Creating this safe space for homeless people is what Lorea set out to do. She knew how to create it because she had been given that space by her grandmother. Her grandmother held a place for her to figure out what to do for herself by accepting her and loving her and holding space for her unconditionally. This is what Lorea wanted to do for the people on Skid Row. Her philosophy is to never leave someone without making them better. She wanted to help and has always believed in infinite abundance, so she knew she would have enough to go around. She asked, how do you embody gratitude without service? We all have to do our part. When you see extreme opposites of people dying on the streets and people in Maseratis are driving by and people in high-rises are looking down drinking their lattes, you have to wonder, how in this great financial capital of the world can this not be solved? This is what greed looks like. There are huge assumptions being made. People judge homeless people and think they are unworthy. They think they are drug addicts or they want to live on the street. But the truth is that 50% of foster kids become homeless within six months of leaving the system. The system only supports these children until they are 18 years old. After that, they are released with nothing. No check, no support, no guidance. So many of them end up on the street. Some of them end up on the street for the rest of their lives. Sometimes we take family for granted, but not everyone was born into one. This really hit home for me, dear listeners, because I have noticed some really young-looking homeless people in my city, in Dallas. Girls and boys that look like they're 16 or 17 years old. And not just one or two. I've seen dozens of young people living on the street and they stick out to me and seem so odd because I've always stereotyped homeless people and considered them to be middle-aged drunks or drug addicts. And that isn't the case. Of the 17,740 homeless people living on Skid Row, sure, some of them are on drugs, but not all of them. There's a variety of people and ages, and not everyone is on a downward spiral or wants to be homeless. A lot of them are actively trying to not be homeless. But so often we forget that that is their intention, that it could be their intention. We judge them. We avert our eyes. Lorea says that it's hard for so many people to acknowledge that there is a homeless person there when you don't know what to do. You just tune it out. But the thing we need to do is, is to acknowledge it and see the humanity in these other people and realize that they are people too. 
There was a homeless man on the street and a kid walked by and gave him a sandwich. And the homeless man said, wait, you see me? He started to believe he was invisible because after months of standing in the same place on the street, people had walked by and ignored him day after day. That is step one, acknowledging people. Don't pretend they aren't there. That energy is real and it is felt. They know they are being ignored and rejected. They can feel it. Lorea explains that people of privilege will look at homeless people and make assumptions about why they're there and how they are there. The most common mistake that she hears is that people assume. They assume they know about homeless people when they have zero experience interacting with homeless people. If we've never been anywhere near people that come from that walk of life, how can we assume? How can we speak for the foster kids who age out of the system if we've never been around anyone in foster care? Another common mistake is that a lot of people say, oh, they want to be homeless. When they've never communicated with a homeless person or know anything about what it is to be homeless. One of the worst mistakes people make is saying, isn't feeding them enabling them? People say giving someone a free meal is enabling them, but they feel like paying for their children's college is not a handout, or supporting their kid's entire life is not a handout, like that's not enabling someone. These are all handouts. The idea of what handouts should look like is short-sighted. People of privilege will enable their own family, but God forbid we enable someone who doesn't have a healthy meal. People put homeless people in a different category than them. Not all of them are on drugs. And plus, drugs are everywhere. Lorea says there are more drugs in Bel Air than there are on Skid Row. So don't get it twisted, y'all. Lorea hears these things only from people who have never spoken to or been kind to someone who is displaced. This is a widespread outlook that she is on a mission to change. According to Lorea, there are two options, either ignore it or do something. For many people, they want to go in and help with job training and get them into the workforce and move them into a different definition of a home. Lorea's approach is instead, let's nurse them with love and let's start by seeing them and giving them the basics that make them feel human and seen and heard. Give them the things that make them feel appreciated and loved. The idea is let's just show up for them and be kind. It's less about what we give and more about the energy and the intent with which we give it. She says, if you want to help the world, go home and love your family. It starts with one thing. If you really want to go the extra mile, you can keep food on you, keep water, be prepared. You might just see somebody who is hungry and in need. It's about the intent and mindfulness of it. And if that energy of love isn't already there, then you can raise that energy. And you bring it by being kind and loving. Lorea says that when she can look into a homeless person's eyes and they smile at her, she knows that this person suffers well. We are 
so spoiled in society today. Someone gets their order wrong at a restaurant and you will see them absolutely lose it. We don't suffer well because sometimes privilege has become more of a curse than a gift when it comes to our character, our patience, and our gratitude. Over the last few years, we hear that everyone is suffering from depression and anxiety. So many people complain and are affected by this. But when you go to Skid Row, no one has it, and they see violence and pain every day. Lorea says that is suffering well because they are actually grateful. She hears more gratitude on Skid Row than she does in Beverly Hills, and she goes to both places. When you sit with someone who has suffered well, there's a different knowledge and understanding of life that you can't get any other place. For Lorea, this changed her in a way that has been a gift and has given her purpose in her life. There is a homeless woman named Brenda who was put in foster care at five years old because her family was abusive. She never got adopted and her foster family was also abusive. They said that the only way she could stay in their home was if she became the nanny for the other kids and foster siblings. When the foster mom passed away, they kicked her out and told her she had to leave because she was never part of the family after she had spent her entire life with them. Brenda went out and lived on the street back and forth and has now been living on Skid Row for the last 12 years. Brenda is 60 years old and has never known her family. But to this day, she hopes that they will return. She says that she has always done things by the book and been a good person so that when her family comes back, they'll be proud of her. It's this tiny little hope that allows her to look at life in a positive way. She is still hopeful and doesn't complain about what she has been through. She is present in her life and hopes every day that her family will return for her. There was nothing Brenda could have done differently. She was placed in the system at age five. She had no support. She had no love. Only 3% of foster kids end up going to college. They are so neglected that they never get the skills they need for basic life. People have empathy for foster kids, but they forget that these kids grow up. What happened to Brenda is sad and lonely and unfortunate. We all need these basics to survive. Lorea's mission is to love people until they can love themselves and empower them to save themselves. It isn't a savior mission. It's about creating spaces and allowing love to mend everything. It's about doing your part to make the world a tiny bit better and do more good for more people most of the time. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for taking the time to learn and grow along with me. And thank you for allowing me to share my story of loss and homelessness to help shed some light on a very real problem that is facing us today. I know that each one of you can do what it takes to help those in need and send the message of love without reason. 
Now you know what it means to do your part and what you can do to help those in need. Now you have a bit more insight into the homeless and displaced people in your community and what you can do to help. The first thing to start with is to acknowledge they are there. Give them a nod, a smile, some sort of acknowledgement that they feel seen. That's the least we can do. To find out more about Lorea and her amazing work, go check out her interview on the Good Life podcast, which was the inspiration for this episode. Lorea is a true angel, and I am so thankful that I was introduced to her and able to share her wisdom with you, dear listeners. For all of the show notes and to sign up for exclusive updates, visit mytalkingdollars.com and enter your email address in the subscription window. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And please join me next week for another conversation about living your best life and doing more good. Thank you. Love you.